Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 291. Today is June 2nd, 2019. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, in a recent blog post, I noted that I had sold my long-term position in Walmart, and I had asked if there was any interest in me specifically doing a podcast that addressed why I sold Walmart. I got an overwhelming response back. So in today's episode, that's what I want to cover. I'm going to use Walmart as one of the thought processes I go through when I sell a stock. And in this particular example, I'm going to be talking about when I have a profit and a substantial profit in a stock. There are different reasons to sell a stock. You know, are you selling it because you want to lock in a profit? Or are you selling it because you realized it was a bad decision and it's time to get out? Well, in this example and in the case of Walmart, I did have a substantial profit in it. But I do want to emphasize here that the rationale that I'm using is not specific to Walmart. And so this is a similar strategy that you can follow on with and develop your own strategy with as you look as to when you should be exiting any type of position. Determining when to sell or when to exit a stock is one of the hardest things that investors deal with because you're always wondering, am I getting out too soon? Am I getting out too late? Well, those are the things I'm going to talk about. And really what I want to cover here is four areas. The first area is I want to do a quick review and tell you why I bought Walmart to begin with. Then I want to mention a little bit about the dilemma that I had in choosing when to exit the position. Then I'll go over the reasons I actually did sell it. And then finally, I want to tie it all together by emphasizing that this particular purchase and then subsequent sale of Walmart was really a textbook example of what I talk about all the time in the Wellsteading podcast about identifying value and owning quality blue chip stocks. So that's what we're going to talk about today. No other announcements. Let me start off with a history about why I got into Walmart to begin with. Now, this is actually the longest position in my portfolio and by far the longest position I've held in general. My preferred method is to swing trade. And when I say that, I don't mean to say that I'm a day trader or that I'm constantly flipping in and out of positions, but I do believe in active trading. If you look at the way stocks perform, they generally have a life cycle to them. They go down for a while, they consolidate, they bottom out, then they start to rise up. They generally lag a little bit in the middle and then they break out and they go on to make an all-time new high. And then the cycle starts all over again. And so generally, and I say generally, that's why I don't hold for the long term. Because since most stocks have a cyclicality to them, I think you're better off buying them once they've consolidated or bottomed out or when they're on the initial move up. To me, that's the best risk reward. Now, having said that, you always have to adjust for the market you're in, not the market that you want to be in. And I got to tell you, over the last 10 years, because of all the quantitative easing, not only done by our Federal Reserve, but by all the central banks, and the literally tens of trillions of central bank dollar money that's out there, and a large amount of it being in negative interest rates, that's had a major impact on the stock market, not only U.S., but all around the world. And it's caused some real anomalies to occur over this past decade that didn't exist, you know, the previous 20 or 30 years. That's why I try and emphasize the fact that you can't use just one trading strategy. Not one algorithm, not one method works all the time. You have to adjust and switch and adapt as the marketplace changes. And so it's been with my swing trading over the past 
decade and really over the past three or four years, I've tended to hold my positions much longer than normal because in general, there's been much less volatility. Now, in the recent past 18 months or so, it has been a more volatile market. But even with that, it was very reliable. It was almost like clockwork to say that we were going to have a business cycle and some type of recession or a major correction, downturn, bear market in the stock market every you know five to seven years. Pull up a chart of the S&P 500 and you can see that with a very much regular cycle, you can see that, you know, five to seven years may, may happen a little sooner, may take a little longer. But in general, right around every seven years, just kind of like the Old Testament talks about seven years of fat and seven years of lean, seven years of feast and seven years of famine. Well, that's a general cyclicality that you see in any economy. But that really hasn't taken place the last 10 years. And again, I believe that's primarily due to all the easy money that's floating around from all the central banks. It's acting to prop up most asset classes, but in particular, it's propping up the global stock market and the global real estate markets. And so while I would prefer to actively trade and swing trade and move out of positions every you know couple months or so, generally on like a three-month cycle, and that's because companies report their earnings four times a year on a quarterly basis. And so generally you see major shifts in stocks moving through that life cycle that I talked about based on either the rumors about what they're going to announce for their earnings or the actual news of what they did announce on their earnings. And so that downward bottoming out consolidation phase happens after some type of bad news or bad rumor that's when the stock moves down and then it starts to bottom out and consolidate when everybody either forgets about that or when the actual fears don't turn out as bad as the reality or when, in fact, company management makes decisions that start improving the company's profitability. That's when you get the consolidation and the improvement and then the stock moves up. People start to recognize that things are better or they weren't as bad as first thought. More people pile on. The price of the stock goes up. If the company is truly performing well and getting better results and making higher profits, then the price continues to go on and make an all-time record high until the management gets fat, dumb, and happy or makes some kind of stupid decision or until the fad wears out and then the life cycle starts all over again. So if you're swing trading, if you're actively trading, a lot of times you're going to move in and out on either a quarterly basis or on series of several quarters as the profits either go up or as the profits go down. Because ultimately, that's what drives stock prices. The value of a company is ultimately determined by how much money it's making. Oh, sure, we look at charts, we talk about technical analysis. Some people that are on the fringes of numerology get into all the Elliott Wave and Fibonacci numbers and other types of numeric astrology. And then, of course, there's the momentum investors that are looking on the next hottest trend, the next hottest fad, buying into something, not necessarily because it has any underlying value, but simply because they think the price is going to keep going up because it's in fashion. And there's always going to be a bigger sucker to come along and pay a higher price for the stock or for the asset. That's the sheer essence of a speculative momentum trade. And while they can be very profitable and they can go up exponentially, at some point they always fail. That's why I try and avoid momentum speculative investments. And although I use things like charts and other technical factors, I don't delude myself into thinking that I have a perfect algorithm 
or a model that can predict the future. Because all that technical analysis, all the assessing of probabilities, all the study and research, all of it, it's all backward looking. It helps us better understand where we are. It can help us define and determine value. We can use it to assess probability and likelihood of future events, but it doesn't in and of itself predict the future. It should only be one thing we're looking at. Again, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is profitability of a company. Now, we have to remember that along the way, there's a lot of irrationality. And it's been said that the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain liquid. And I'm off on this tangent because a lot of this pertains to the nearly four years that I've owned Walmart stock. But it gets down to the fundamental of building value, which is why in wealth building principle number four, I talk about the importance of identifying value. Ah, but I digress. Okay, so here it is. Why did I buy Walmart stock nearly four years ago? Well, I did buy it with the initial thought that I would swing trade it and probably only hold on to it for three months or less. I had charted out Walmart. I looked at its profitability. I looked at all the technical factors. And based on those, and then also based on the research that I had done on the new management team at Walmart and the policies that it looked like that they were implementing, I felt that Walmart was undervalued, that it had been going through a consolidation stage, and that it would break out and possibly in the next three months or so, it could rise as much as 25%. Now, in general, what I just described to you is what I look for in every stock or exchange-traded fund purchase that I make. I'm always looking for a rationale as to why a stock or an ETF can go up at least 25% from the price I bought it at. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to go up 25%. That doesn't mean that every time I buy something, it goes up 25% or that it happens quickly. But I don't invest in anything that I don't think has a logical path to that type of performance. And that, again, gets back to buying value. You don't want to invest in something willy-nilly, right? You're simply not buying something because your brother-in-law told you it was a good deal or you heard a tip on some podcast. You want to invest in something because you think it's going to have a future value that's greater than its present value. Wealth is all about owning appreciating assets. And so when you're looking at a stock or investing in some kind of a mutual fund or an ETF, you want to ask yourself that question. Why will this be worth more in the future than it is today? And if you can't come up with that answer, well, you don't invest in it. Now, again, you can't predict the future. So your assessment may not be accurate. But the point to realize here is that there has to be a path. Because if there's no path to higher future earnings or more sales or some type of mechanism that's going to create value for this stock, then ultimately that stock price is not going to be sustainable in the future. And that's the way it was with Walmart. I'd looked at the background, I'd looked at the numbers, I looked at the retail environment, and I felt that the company had a lot more future value than people were giving it credit for, mostly because it was undervalued, it was underappreciated. The media narrative then was that Amazon was going to come out and crush all the retailers, and in specific, it was going to crush Walmart. And that was an easy narrative to believe because Walmart management had previously gotten fat, dumb, and happy and sat on their laurels and were really screwing up a good franchise. You go into a Walmart store, it would be dirty. The employees would be incompetent. A lot of the product lines that they carried were poor quality. And even something you may want to buy, it might not even be on the shelf because the restocking and their inventory program was abysmal. Well, things started to turn around. Walmart management got better. 
They hired a new CEO. And again, by studying this and then by going into the stores and observing it and by reading about what other analysts said, I could see that these changes were being made. I could see that there were definite improvements. I also didn't think that Amazon was a total killer of retail. A franchise like Walmart had a lot of benefits that Amazon didn't or Amazon was still in the process of acquiring. For example, a brick and mortar store has a lot of advantages, even if you're just using it as a place to demonstrate products or as an easy access point for consumers to go pick things up once they've ordered them online. And this is exactly why over these last few years, we've seen Amazon moving more into brick and mortar by buying the company Whole Foods and by partnershiping with Kohl's department stores for returns and by Amazon having to build more and more logistical and warehouse facilities so that they could improve and reduce their delivery dates. Well, Walmart already had that in place. I forget the statistic now, but it's something like 90% of Americans live within, I don't know, like six miles of a Walmart store. Well, that is a large comparative advantage. Walmart also had a supply chain that's second to none. As I mentioned, they gotten fat, dumb, and lazy, and a lot of their supply chain dealt with cheap, inferior products, but they had the ability and the capital to turn that supply chain around and use it to acquire better quality products. And that's what I thought they were doing. And then from a technical analysis, when I looked at the chart pattern, it looked to me that the chart pattern that was being formed was what I call a hook and barb pattern. And I felt that on the right news, if it did break out from that, it could go on to have the price increase by 20, 25% over the next quarter. And then again, digging into the fundamentals, Walmart was flush with cash. They paid an above average dividend. They had a long history of paying that dividend, maintaining it and increasing it. And I felt that the numbers justified that there was enough money and cash flow there that they could keep reinvesting in the business and still paying that dividend. So all those things added up to me wanting to buy that stock, and I made that purchase about four years ago. I can't remember if it was in July or August, but it was definitely in the summer of 2015. Well, guess what? Shortly after I purchased it, the investor sentiment, the opinions coming out of Wall Street, the media narrative, they all got increasingly more negative on Walmart. There were things about how Amazon was going to dominate. There was labor issues about rising minimum wage and how that would affect profits on Walmart. There was news that they were investing too much and not receiving results from that money spent and that management was incompetent. And then, of course, because they were investing in the future, their profitability was going down, their margins were going down. And over the next series of weeks and months, Walmart did not go up 20 to 25 percent. In fact, it went down 20 to 25 percent. Here's a key point. I did not sell because, again, I saw the value in Walmart. I realized it was going to take longer for things to work out than I had initially planned. But ultimately, as people piled on to the negative narrative and the price got lower and lower, that meant that the corresponding dividend got higher. And paradoxically, the future value of Walmart actually increased because the expectations were so low. And so there was no way I was going to sell it at a bottom not when I believed that there was underlying value. And so I held the position. Now, I didn't intend to hold it for nearly four years like it's worked out. But that same kind of negative narrative carried over. There would be periods when things would look like Walmart was improving and winning and the price would go up, but then the bottom would fall back out on it. And again, I can't predict the future. 
I don't know exactly when the top or the bottoms are going to be, but I knew that the value of Walmart was in excess of $100 a share. Remember, Walmart was paying an above average dividend. It was in excess of 3%. And at a time when 10-year treasuries were paying 2% or less, that was a very nice, secure return on my money. And so I held that position up until just recently. And here's why it was hard to sell. This gets into the second phase of what I wanted to talk about. It's always tough to decide when to exit a stock. And that's whether you're up or whether you're down. You're always second guessing yourself. Because as much as you realize that realistically you can't predict the future, there's something inside of you that believes that you can or believes that other people can. And so you're always looking for that irrefutable answer about what's going to happen. Is it the best time to sell now or should I hold on to it? And then when the price goes up after you sold it or goes down when you've held it, then you get discouraged. And again, you second guess yourself, you doubt yourself, and that doubt causes you to make worse decisions in the future. You need to come to the realization that neither you nor anybody else can predict the future. You're simply assessing probabilities. And so you have to live with your decisions. You try and learn from them. You try and refine them and improve them. But they're not going to be perfect. Sometimes you're going to sell too early. Sometimes you're going to sell too late. What you can be assured of is, is that you're probably never going to pick exactly the best point to buy or sell. And if you do, it's simply an accident and you shouldn't delude yourself into thinking that that's repeatable because it's not. And so what I want to emphasize here is that you need to be content with your decisions. If you make 5% or 20% or 100% or if you lose 3% or 15%, whatever it is, live with that result. Don't worry about what it could have been or what it should have been. Focus on what it is. Try and learn from that gain or that loss and apply it to your next trade. And so when it came to me selling my Walmart position, like any other, it was a tough decision. I still think that Walmart is a good stock. I think that it has a bright future. I think that the stock price will ultimately go higher. As of late, it's been receiving, I would say, fairly positive press. Most people have come to the realization that Walmart is not going to be put out of business by Amazon. And if anything, Walmart is benefiting in the category they're in because other retailers, retailers like Sears and Kmart, they have gone out of business. Uh, JCPenney's you know, on the verge of maybe going out of business. Ultimately, since Walmart's a survivor, they will get a larger piece of the retail pie, even if that retail brick and mortar pie is shrinking. And since Walmart has made many improvements, since they are selling more online, since they have grocery pickup and online ordering, they're also getting a larger piece of the ever-growing online pie. That's common knowledge. It's in the expectations. And that's one of the reasons why Walmart stock has done so well lately and why it will continue to do well. Walmart stock from a technical basis has also been doing extremely well. I measure this in terms of relative strength. If you measure the relative performance of Walmart on a daily basis and compare it to other retail sectors or even compare it to the performance of the S&P 500 on a relative basis, you'll see that Walmart is holding its own and doing quite well. So it's definitely showing technical support. Those are all very positive signs for the stock and they're definite arguments for holding on to it. And yet I chose to sell the stock. So why did I do that? Well, the number one reason that I decided to sell the stock now comes down to four reasons, and they're those four reasons why I chose to buy the stock in the first place because they applied back then, but they no longer apply. And so those items are, number one, 
the valuation on the stock is much higher than I think is warranted. Right now, Walmart is trading for something like 20 times earnings. I think back when I first purchased this stock, it was more like 12 times earnings, maybe even lower. As I mentioned, I think Walmart is a good quality stock. I think it has a bright future, but I don't like it at 20 times earnings. Given that it's only going to grow for the most part, you know, at best at the level of GDP, which is maybe 2%, 3%, based on that type of a growth rate, I don't think a 20 or more times valuation is warranted. Also, as the price has risen, correspondingly, the dividend has gone down because they have an inverse relationship. Because initially, when I bought into Walmart, it had a substantially higher than average dividend. Well, right now, that's not the case. The dividend is right around 2%. It's pretty much right in line with the S&P 500. And even more importantly, over these years, short-term interest rates have come up significantly. And so four years ago, when I was investing in Walmart, my cash was making essentially zero sitting in a money market fund. Today, that same cash in a money market fund can generate two, maybe 2.3% interest, which is at or above the Walmart dividend. And so on a relative basis, that dividend is much less significant today than it was four years ago. And then following the same logic, as the price has gone up, the dividend has gone down, the valuations have gone up. Well, that also means that the expectation of future growth has also been reduced. Now, again, I do think that Walmart will be worth more in the future. I think that over the short term, Walmart stock could easily bounce up higher. It could go up to $110, $115 a share. That's where some of the analysts have their targets. But the average expectation is probably about $108. And so when you look at it from a risk-reward perspective, where now Walmart's trading around $101, you know, maybe it's going to go up 5 6% to $108. But if you look back when I purchased it and I bought it for somewhere around maybe $60 a share and my realistic expectation was that it could hit $100 or better, well, that's a substantially better risk reward profile. Now that's been drastically reduced. And then the last thing really comes down to investor sentiment and expectations. Back four years ago, the sentiment was very negative. I thought it was irrationally negative. That's why the valuation was so low on it. But that's not the case today. The general outlook is pretty upbeat. There's a lot of profitability and growth built into the price. That's why it's valued at 20 times earnings. And I think that that optimism is going to be a whole lot harder to deliver on. And so whether it be the contrarian in me or not, based on all those reasons I just gave, that's ultimately why I decided to sell Walmart. And I won't get into it in this episode because we've already gone long and it's a complicated process, but I sold my Walmart positions in two phases. Number one was I sold calls against it, which came due the Friday before last. And when those calls got assigned, then this past week, sold the remainder of my position in Walmart, anything that wasn't covered by the call. Again, I won't get into the strategy behind that. It had me exiting the stock at a price that I felt was favorable and that over the years, although I ended up holding the stock a lot longer than I intended to, when you factor in the total return as a result of the capital gains as well as the annual dividend, something that from an annual return perspective could double your money in say six years or less if, if you could get that type of performance on a consistent basis across your portfolio, that's what I consider a very solid, strong base hit. It's not a home run, but it's an excellent type return with ultimately very little risk 
If you're investing in a quality blue chip stock that has underlying value and in particular pays a dividend. And that takes me to the fourth point that I wanted to cover today. And that's really the essence of building wealth. Holding this Walmart position for nearly four years is really the textbook example of the well-steading process of looking for stocks that are out of favor so that you can buy them at a discount, so that you can buy them on the dip, but not do it willy-nilly, not buy something simply because the price is low. That's definitely not something you want to do if there isn't underlying value in the stock or if the economy is headed into a recession. And I felt neither was the case with Walmart and the general economy over the past four years. So I bought the dip. I bought a quality product when it was on sale. It paid an above average dividend. And when I did choose to sell it, it had appreciated significantly and was much closer to what I felt was its peak price. Again, not to say that it won't go higher, but over the short term, it's much closer to a high than I felt it was to a low. And that's it. That sums it up. That is the type of strategy that has built me my wealth over more than 30 years. It's simply looking for quality, looking for things that are out of favor, and doing the research so that both the fundamentals and the technicals come together so that hopefully you're buying the stock after it's consolidated when it's headed for an uptrend. Now, you can't always guarantee that. That obviously didn't happen with my Walmart stock. But the key there is that because I knew it had value, I was willing to hold it through the bad times. And this is something that you not only can apply to stock investing, but to every area and every aspect of your life. Invest your time and money in things that are quality, things that have underlying value, and things that you believe in the future have appreciating value. It's both that simple and that difficult. Come on back for future episodes and we'll see how things all work out. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.